The views on a breath of fresh air podcast reflects the parties involved, and we encourage you all to use it as a conversational tool that will lead to personal studies of your own. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Welcome to a Breath of Fresh Air podcast. Here with your hosts, Earl Roberts and Nakaz Gay. As a young person, Christianity can be so foggy, like smoke in the mirrors and so unclear. But we're here to bring you a breath of fresh air. Your Highness, Tiglath-Pileser, King of Assyria, I have brought a message from my king, Ahaz, King of Israel, and it reads, I am your servant and your son. Come up and save me out of the hand of the king of Syria and out of the hand of the king of Israel because they have rose up against me. You're being attacked and you come to me for help? Why should I risk my man to fight your war? What's in it for me? Yes, we can definitely make it worth your while, O king. You see, our king, the king of Israel, he recently turned away from his former god and is now worshipping other gods. And because of that, We have all of this excess money out of the house of the Lord. So I have brought the treasures from that house and from the king's house himself as a token of gratitude. Mmm. Now that just might be enough to entice me. Consider it done. Man, let's go to war. Step into this tumultuous world of 2 Kings 16, where power, politics, and faith all converge. King Ahaz, the king of Judah, is about to assume the throne, and he faces both foreign and domestic challenges. As always, be blessed and enjoy. All right, welcome back to another episode of A Breath of Fresh Air podcast here with your hosts, Akaz Gay and Earl Roberts. We appreciate everyone for tuning in again this week. Hopefully everyone is having a good week. Um, trying to figure when this, one, when this one will be coming out. So, I mean, if you're hearing this, that means we made it through the hurricane because the hurricane is supposed to hit tonight. Mm. <laughs> we are recording this before the eye of the storm. Amen. Luckily, Orlando shouldn't take a direct hit, but prayers go out to everyone who's about to experience it. And by the time this comes up, we'll actually know the aftermath of the storm. Hopefully it isn't hopefully it isn't as bad. Um but yeah, hopefully everyone had a great week. Hopefully everyone there staying safe. Um me personally this week, man, I feel like you know, sometimes when you think God is like you think like you think you've learned a lesson with God as like God ups the ante. Mm. Like you pass level two patience, right? You think, oh yeah, I, I get a patience. Lord gives you like a level three challenge. You're like, woo, I thought I passed this lesson. Yeah, we didn't get here yet. We didn't rehearse <laughs> this one. No, no, and I, and I think that's kind of what the Lord has been. That's kind of been my week so far, like a week of patience, like a week of like, okay. Extending, extending grace, extending mercy, not not being so quick to anger, I guess, <laughs> or quick to get annoyed. Well, that's a good, that's a good practice, you know, patience, because you can need it, boy. Mercy. I mean, that's one thing you never, never gonna run out of of need of opportunities to have, you know. So, yeah, that's good. Hey, my little buddy, how your week going? I'm up in my head doing something, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, y'all. All right, cool. My week, my week, man, so far, so so good. Honestly, I got, you know, it's a holiday weekend, so we're recording this before Labor Day. And as some of y'all know, you can't wear white after that day. I don't know why I mentioned that. But anywho, so week, I going out of town, 
um, for, for Labor Day weekend. But, you know, it's just a lot of chores, to, you know, to prepare for the hurricane and then work-related stuff that I need to kind of make sure it's squared away beforehand. So I didn't, re- I, I haven't really had too much free times, you know, so far this week. We recording midweek as well. But other than that, you know, I'm still here. You know, so I'm not behind as yet, in my in my opinion. <laughs> so, you know, God is good. Amen and amen. So this week we are in 2 Kings chapter 16. Last week, we naturally were in 2 Kings 15. But we went through like a gauntlet of kings. We went through one, two, three, four, five. Six, about five to six Israelite kings, and we spoke briefly of Jotham at the end, who was the king of Judah. And we see how essentially Israel's just on this down, this downward spiral. It, it's kind of reminiscent of the times when there were judges, and even between the lull between judges and kings. And we just see some kings last a week, some last a month, some last a couple of years. But it's just this never-ending cycle of, yeah, this king just dies, gets, I shouldn't say dies, gets murdered because everyone dies. It's a little different. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny, like, when you talk about the Bible, it's like you, like, in our podcast, a new event may have occurred where someone died. Mm -hmm. However, this person we're talking about has been dead for thousands of years now. Yeah, you know. And so, like, it's always funny when, when we talk about someone dying as if it's, like, recent but yeah to your point a lot of these kings end up getting murdered yeah so this week um kick it off this week might actually be a short episode who knows it might be fitting for any storm preparations we may or may not have left (laughs) but in the 17th year of pekka the son of ramalia ramelia ahaz the son of jotham king of Judah began to reign. So Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. He did not do what was right in the sight of the Lord his God as his father David had done, but he walked in the way of the kings of Israel. Indeed, he made his son pass through the fire according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. And he sacrificed and burnt incense on the high places, on the hills, and under every green tree. So that right there alone is a mouthful. And you can take, go for it. I hate, I hate mixing, like, fictional shows that I've seen with, like, Bible. Mm -hmm. But I was just watching a show. (laughs) No, it's just already so funny. No, but for those who don't know, I really enjoy like shows from the medieval period, uh, you know, Vikings, it might be anyway, stuff like that. You know, I was watching something or it was like a Greek, a Greek show. You know, they also like ancient Greek, they believed in polytheism. They had many gods and stuff like that. And basically, um, somebody wanted to go to war and, you know, they wanted victory. So they offered a sacrifice and I can leave it there. Cause you know, we, even biblically, we saw where Jephthah, he wanted success in battle. So he said, yo, if you give me, he wanted to get paid in advance. He said, God, yo, get me through this battle. And when I get back, I, I, I can do the sacrifice. Sometimes the Bible don't give us context on why this person sacrificed something or sacrifice their child in, in, in this scenario. We read it and we just say, oh, they sacrificed their child. They bug it. And I'm not condoning this because this is definitely wrong. I don't, I don't condone this in any light. But it's like these, some of these kings, they get so desperate for like success or desperate, for, desperate to win a battle or whatever to the point where they say, man, if I need to, if I need to commit something, that mm-hmm. I love to to prove to the God or the gods in their in their religion that I'm willing to give up something to receive something. That's that's where people is end up saying, bro, I given my child, but just to show you how bad I want this, but my child that I love, I given it. I'll I'll kill him 
or her just to guarantee victory in in, in certain instances and that gave me a little context on that type of thing because it's like we don't know like I, don't, I can't speak for everyone but i don't i've never read read up on i never went on my way to read up on people ch- sacrificing their children why they do it or whatever but you know that kind of gave me a little insight from like a, a polytheistic standpoint on you know people doing them kind of things so i just did like the calculation as to when how long it was before israel had a bad not israel judah had a bad king and it's been 137 years. Oh, wow. In real biblical time, in like real actual years. Because the last bad one they had was the Queen Athaliel. Oh, okay. But Joash was 40 she... years. Amaziah was 29 years. Azariah was 52 years. Jotham was 16 years. Hmm. Yeah, so, and Athaliel wasn't even really like supposed to be king, but... Her, it was her son, right? Athalia, it was Athalia's son who was king at first? Yeah, it was like Jehoram and then I think Isaiah or something like that became, yeah, that's one of the Yeah, so whoever preceded, whoever, I know it was a relative of Athalia, whoever preceded Athalia, they was also not good too because they were like half Mm -hmm. house of Ahab, half house of, you know, Judah or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, so that, that's like a lot of real-time stuff right there. Like, that's it's just interesting. Like, we, we flip through some of these pages, but literally decades are going by as we, like, you know, go from chapter to chapter. Hmm. And then the God that they're even referencing God here, that they're referencing here, is like one of the Canaanite gods, Molech. Like, and that was the one who had all the child sacrifices. And if you go back to Leviticus or Deuteronomy, one of them, I think it's Leviticus, though. Where God was just talking about his hatred for like the practices of Moloch. And so you see, these the children of Israel and Judah, even more so now Judah than Israel, but the whole nation was supposed to be a, a people who were stat, like who were supposed to be peculiar, set apart, worshiping the one true God. When they came into the land of Canaan, they were supposed to drive out all of these influences from Joshua's time, and they never did it. And we see years, centuries go by, millennia go by at this point, and the same people who, who they should have drove out, drove out centuries ago are still there being a stand of them. Mm-hmm. And it's it's pretty sad. Pretty yeah. sad. Like, had you done the job right the first time, how much more peaceful would your lives may have been now? Yeah, and it's like they being a snare to them, but they fully involved in like it's like this um this Judah. Oh yeah, yeah, this Judah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like yeah, you're right. So we could say they're a snare because you you're not so surrounded by all of these like doctrines and evil religion that you don't know any better. The the king that preceded you did not offer child sacrifices like exactly yeah you i mean because like part of this now is like just willful disobedience Mm -hmm. it's especially for judah like you guys you have the blueprint you know i'm saying you're 137 years of people not being perfect because i mean every human has some deficiencies as we would call it Mm -hmm. but you blatantly just saying yeah no I don't want to do what God did. I'm going to just do it my own way. And let's see how Israel, like, Israel looks like they're having a pretty good time over there. They have the stronger army. Like, I might as well do what they're doing, not knowing that your strength really should be coming from God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I, <laughs> I understand how they deduce that, but at the same time, it's like, if, if, you, if you're self-aware enough, you realize that the reason things don't go your way or you the reason the other nations are more successful than you, the other nations, which are pagan nations, are more successful than you, is because you all had a covenant with God and you disobeyed the covenant. Mm-hmm. These other nations didn't have a covenant with God. So it's like they could sacrifice as much children as they want and they don't have the same type of repercussions as you all. 
because you, it's an, you all had a covenant. That's an agreement. We know that you are the Lord Most High. We know that for fuck our far our forefathers know that, and we agreed to being faithful to you, and we know that you would be faithful to us. And now one of us didn't know all about end of the bargain, and so now things are falling south for us. But now we all we seeing is oh, this nation. Like let's look at Judah. Last chapter we read that. Um, Syria and Israel was attacking Judah, but the king did what's right in the eyes of of God. Right, so you have a righteous king, but he's still getting punished by the unrighteous. You know, and and you turn around and look at it and say, "Man, so Syria had been defeating us for hundreds of years now, <laughs> and they's worship idols. So and and they's come to us, they's defeat us, and they's laugh at our one God." While they pray in the multiple gods, and they straight up tell us their gods better than our gods, as most people do, especially in Bali, they get really boastful. And so now you start to think, man, that must be true. That must be true. Their God probably stronger than our God, or our God don't exist. They serve the real God because we could see the success. But the problem is, the reason for our failure is not because our God is weak, but it's because we are weak, and mm -hmm. it's because we are unfaithful. You know. Um. The, see, it, <clears throat> the book of Kings focuses on kings, you know, not to be obvious, not to be that like, like obvious like that, but I thought it focused you know, on the prophets now. <laughs> not, not as much, you know, they have a guest <laughs> appearance every now and then, but we don't hear about the culture of the, of the civilians, you know, of the citizens. We don't, so they would say the king is righteous. So we, we have the assumption that, okay. For the most part, Israel living right, you know, but we don't we don't have that evidence. It's, it's, it's not until later in, in the book, even next chapter, we get a summary of the culture of of the Israelites and the and the people of Judah in general, while they had kings both good and bad, you know. And so, like, I definitely, I definitely could see a parallel between, like, the the outcome of battle for for these nations in relation to. They have faithfulness to God. And I'm saying mm -hmm. that based on Deuteronomy. Like Deuteronomy 28, it's it, it, it flat out say, yo, this is going to happen. That is going to happen. That is going to happen if you worship idols. Mm -hmm. But if you do not, this good thing is going to happen. That good thing is going to happen. So now when we read this book and we see the bad stuff happening, we could easily allow Scripture to interpret Scripture and assume that they had um, turned away and worship idols. And now this one of the primary chapters where we could see for a fuck, a king just out of nowhere say, yo, next God, next. Um, mm, this Most High God, he, mm, that's my father God. That ain't my God, you know? <clears throat> that's just wild. But yeah, continuing the story in Second Kings 16 verse 5. Then Resin, 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 king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Romelia, king of Israel, came up to Jerusalem to make war. And they besieged the city or encircled the city. Um, but they could not overcome him, him being Ahaz. At the time, Rezin, the king of Seir, captured Elah for Syria and drove the men of Judah from Elah. Then the Edomites went to Elah and dwelt there to this day. Elah also means a large tree. Okay. Just in case. <laughs> Just in case that come up on the next Bible trivia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we see now Israel and Syria, for what it's worth, are teaming up against Judah, but they aren't able to overcome Judah. And if you actually go to Isaiah, in Isaiah 7, you can see where God told Ahaz that it will, he would not let them actually be overtaken right now, essentially. So you could go read Isaiah 7 for yourself. But it's just always interesting how God still comes through for his people, even when they don't deserve it. Mm -hmm. And it just reminds me of that line was like, yeah, it's not time for you all to fall yet. Well, you know, when Jesus was like, my time has not come yet. Mm -hmm. And God just knows when things should happen. He's like, okay, it ain't time for y'all. Y'all still got a couple more centuries to go. Now, Israel, we could deal with them. 
Her daytime is now. <laughs> <laughs> they, got one more, is they, now. they got one more thing to go, guys. They got one, they more, got one more. They got one more in there. But, but I say now because even, even their previous king. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, it's the same king, Pekka. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, remember Naftali and them cities just last chapter we were saying? <laughs> they wipe out the whole. Yeah, so that, like I said, daytime is now. And the mere fact that y'all teaming up with the Syrians to attack your own people, essentially, even though y'all different kingdoms, you're essentially talking your cousins. Right. But that it just goes to show, bro, like, we we look at it like, it's like, it's like, it's like when you have a, a, a famous band, right? Or a famous group or group, whatever genre. And you know they most successful together, but they break out and have solo careers, right? Unless you, some people, they, they just forget they started off in a bond. But mm-hmm. some of them don't always pan out correctly. And you always look at them as, bro, you will always be this bond to me. You see what I'm saying? Like, no matter how, no matter where you go, like even even certain um basketball players too, or well, um athletes, they might have spent so much time in this one team. Even yep. when they leave, nobody remember Michael Jordan on the Wizards. I mean, people do. You feel me? But it's like we most no, when you think Shaq about on it, the Phoenix, Shock been on the Celtics, the Phoenix, all type. But, <laughs> but they remember Shock from the Magic and from the Lakers. You see mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And so it's like we look at. We still looking at Judah and Samaria as being the same nation, <laughs> but they don't, they don't even think of each other like that no more, you know? And it, and, and it was so funny because I was just thinking about Joseph getting captured by Ishmaelite slaves in the book of Genesis. Bro, mm-hmm. y'all was two generations removed, bro. <laughs> like Joseph's father was Jacob and Isaac. Yeah, Isaac, yes. Y'all was two generations removed. But y'all was an arcing like family. You was a slave. You could be sold to a slave that you could be you could be enslaved by your grand uncle. People, you know what I mean? Your first, your second cousins. And for you know? context, they've been apart for roughly 240 years at this point. So Israel and Jacob. Yeah, so. The children no, no. like to like you. You don't you don't live a couple generations now with y'all not being in the same right and same so nation. And the lifespan uh, was probably shorter back then. Can you keep going? But th- let's think. Let me make it a little more personal, right? Turks and the Bahamas. Turks I and Caicos and, the, and the Bahamas. Right? <laughs> if you, I, you know how much people I, I often hear people say, "I'm going to." The Turks and Caicos, that's like a, it's like a very popular, like it's really um, increased in popularity over the last like five years, like because mm-hmm. rappers shout them out and stuff like that. But as a behemoth, we look at them like, oh, that's the crib. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, that's, that's basically us. You mm-hmm. feel me? But the outside world, it's like we so far moved like 50 years now that people don't even, some people don't literally do not know. The Turks and Caicos has not been the Bahamas all my life. They was not the Bahamas. You, you understand what I'm life, saying? Yeah. All my life. You feel me? So it's like, imagine two, imagine when we have grandkids. Mm-hmm. We could be saying, you know what I used to be? And they could be like, oh, okay. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I guess. You feel me? Everything was together at one point. You know what I'm saying? Like, this country used to be a part of, you know, this big landmass at one point, but now they're separate countries. And so, like, um, and even if you ask someone from Turks, they have such a big chip on their shoulder because we obviously the bigger country, they probably be like, bro, no, we is, we is us. You know what I'm saying? Y'all is y'all. You feel me? But it's like the culture is so identical. The culture is identical. Like, like, like if we being honest, you know, and Israel and Judah, one of them might've had a disdain for the other one. And when that happens and we go into war, I can't look at you as, as there's nothing tethering us anymore. We don't even serve the same God. Mm-hmm. How are we the same? How are we still the same? Like, like genetically? Yes. You understand what I'm saying? We still come from the same people. But if we believe, <laughs> if we believe the Adam and Eve narrative, that's, you know, that's everyone, you know, like we all come from someone and then we continue as, as the centuries go by, we, we, um we branch off, you know, we continue to grow our nations and sooner or later you, we, we compare it to, 
mm-hmm. and the similarities aren't as as blatant, you know. So, yeah, two nations at war at this point. Crazy. One more thing I gotta say because I know we have it. a short we have a short chapter. Might as well, yeah, go for Might it. As well. I Nakas, most of my life, I had this misconception that the Israelites went through so much because God just allows bad stuff to happen, even to good people. So we live in a society where like a bad stuff happens all the time. You know what I'm saying? We we have very people who we who we esteem as you know good people, nice, serve the community, and tragedy may come to them and their family. You know, excuse me. We chalk it up to free will. You know, God is in control. These type of things we just don't understand why things happen, right? But when you actually read, especially judges. Through judges through first and second kings and then obviously chronicles or whatever when you read like the the historical account in the bible you see a direct cause and effect between israel's actions and their outcome it's not a situation where they good people worshiping god you know, and the Lord just allows this to happen because he, he knows that we will all suffer persecution for being good, for being, you know, all those who live godly lives in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. That's what Paul said in, in the New Testament. But that's really not the case. Israel's miscoming, um, what's it, misgivings? Anyway, their bad luck is not luck. It's not something by happenstance is is directly a result of their continual culture of disobedience to God and a specific disobedience. It's like Sorry God saying, don't do this specific thing. And they do this specific thing for years. And then they get boastful and it continues. And so now when we get to, when we read Jesus and we see they enslaved or they, um, <clears throat> they governed by another nation and this, the this third, fourth nation in a row, to have them and it's like oh why god allowing god's people like why is evil prevailing but it's not the fact that evil will prevail over over good it's the fact that you know god there's god prom- promises blessings and curses and the situ they ended up in the predicament because they followed after the curses and and thus they got you know so i just wanted to kind of reiterate that i know i said that a couple of minutes ago but it really just hit was hitting me like most of my life. I just thought, man, it's crazy, but they was doing the right thing. And then they get they end up getting all type of bad stuff happening to them, all type of people trying to persecute them, but just ain't right, bro. The evil, you know, we so we so passive and we so um I don't know, we so, I, I'll just say passive that you know, evil people come, we so non confrontational, evil people come and, and do all of these things and we just do nothing and, and it's just, just gonna keep happening because we're not gonna repay evil with evil. But it's not the case, you know. These these were things that God prophesied would happen if they go down a certain route, and they did. Yeah, and like in this specific instance, that's a that's a good thing to point out. That's definitely a good thing to point out. But I also feel like sometimes things do happen, and there's no direct reason we get to Job. And does that then you get into questions that make God fair or not? <laughs> yeah, I know. And so it's like. We get to Job, we get to the apostles, you know, even Jesus. We we see all of these instances, and then the text does reign true. We're like, those who live godly lives in Christ Jesus would suffer persecution. That's that's a straight text. I mean, you could say con- context matters because the Christians were really getting persecuted. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's facts. But like at a, at a macro, at a micro level, the whole nation. They, the reason they in, was in that predicament was not the same reason for Job and all of these other people. You know, I, I put Job in a, in a category of his own. You know what I mean? I think God allow us to, to see Job just to say, boy, don't never put me in a box and, <laughs> and feel like you got me figured out, bro, because stuff could happen and you don't even understand why it happened. Exactly. And, you know, you know, you could see the silver lining in it. 
you can see the silver lining and John the Baptist, the apostles, things like that, because it's more evil to come. You know, and these type of things, it's like they they kind of ease the trauma behind it. So like the first set of people who probably got tortured or killed for preaching the gospel may, probably did not see it coming. You understand what I'm saying? But now we <laughs> we read the Bible and we see this pattern and it's like you should not you should not think it to be uncommon like you, you should you should have in your mind that bro this thing has happened you can't put this past people like you know it has happened multiple times can't kill his brother bro the first set of humans ever born killed one killed the other because of mm -hmm. worship you know i do not like that you are following god the way god asks us to follow him you should do your own thing because you're making me look bad you know and that has continued happening throughout the bible so yeah, I mean, it's two sides to see it, but in this situation, because Israel is not righteous, yep. Yep. you know, I, I look at it as like, bro, just cause and effect. You know what I'm saying? Ain't no hidden meaning behind this. Like, you know, Ooh, greater... agreed. agreed. <laughs> this one is definitely, you can you can trace back and be like, y'all ain't do this, so y'all have to suffer the consequences. Yeah. So we're in verse 7. <laughs> yep. So Aha sent his messengers to Ticketh Pelesar. The king of Assyria saying, I am your servant uh, and your son. Come up and save me from the hand of the king of Syria. Not to be confused with Assyria. <laughs> and from the hand of the king of Israel who rose up against me. So Ahaz took the silver and the gold that was found in the house of the Lord and in the treasuries of the king's house and sent it as a present to the king of Assyria. So the king of Assyria heeded him, heeded him. For the king of Assyria went up against Damascus and took it and carried its people captive to care and killed Rezin. So, Ahaz, in layman's terms, essentially said he ain't taken God's mercy <laughs> and give, <laughs> gift of invitation to like win the battle for him. He said, I'm going to call an even better kingdom, mm. a bigger kingdom with more resources out there, who I know ever wanted to rage war against some of these some of these guys. And the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So to entice him to fight on my behalf, I'm going to raid the temple again for whatever resources are left in there and send it to this king as, as a homage, present. Say like, please fight for me. Mm -hmm. And we see Tiglath Palisa was like, oh, sure. This? You're just giving me an excuse to do what I ever wanted to do. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my. So he went down to Syria and killed And I mean, he went down to, yeah, and, and killed them. So that's just, that was easy. Yeah, man. Money talks. And now we get now we get to interesting part of the story. And now Ahaz went to Damascus to meet the king of Assyria. And they saw and he saw an, an altar that was in Damascus. And Ahaz sent to Uriah the priest of the design of the altar and its pattern according to its workmanship. Then Uriah the priest built an altar according to all that King Ahaz had sent from Damascus. So Uriah, the priest, made it before the king came back from Damascus. And when the king came back from Damascus, the king saw the altar. And the king approached the altar and made offerings on it. So he burnt his offering on, he burnt his offering and his grain offering and poured his drink offering and sprinkled the blood of his peace offerings on the altar. And he also bought the bronze altar, which was before the Lord, from the front of the temple, from between the new altar and the house of the Lord, and put it on the north side of the new altar. Then King Ahaz commanded Uriah the priest, saying, On the great new altar burn the morning burnt offering, the evening green offering, and the king's burnt sacrifice. And his green offering with the burnt offering of all the people of the land, their green offering and their drunk offerings. 
and sprinkle on it all the blood of the burnt offering and all the blood of the sacrifice. And the bronze altar shall be for me to inquire by. Thus did Uriah the priest according to all the king had commanded. Man. Man, man, man. You want to kick it off? <laughs> sure. So, you know, it's, it's interesting to me, you know, we have kings in the Bible who, like, if we look at the Chronicles account, right, we had, a, a, I can't remember which king, a couple stories back, he, you know, got proud, he made his own sacrifice, he was a righteous king, you know what I'm saying, he made his own sacrifices, <laughs> um, and the Lord was displeased by that, you feel me? We have this king, the same type of situation. He making his own sacrifices, but we mm -hmm. know from the beginning of the chapter, this man, he'll, he'll, he's, he, he don't worship the most high God. You see what I'm saying? Like he'll sacrifice his own son in the fire type of situation, you know? And so now he making, the Lord give him a break in battle, right? But he probably could not see that this was God actually sparing him in battle because as obviously you go through the battle you get victory you might have think man that's crazy i didn't think he was gonna go that way but you don't say man you know god is good because this man just worshiping a whole different god mm -hmm. he might have sit back and say boy that's my own this my own goodness or whatever this my own strength and so he leaves the battle and um oh no, i just lost my channel dog crazy just now bro so I mean I'm a kind of pick up. Yeah. So if you go to Second Kings, Second Kings, Second Chronicles, right, in chapter 28, verse 23, Ahaz said, Because the gods of the kings of Syria helped them, I will sacrifice to them that they may help me. All right, thanks, bro. And that helped me a lot because I gonna say he leaves the bottle now, and now he's saying, bro, I can't go through this again. I just get a big, I just get a big break. You see what mm -hmm. I'm saying? And so now the first thing he do is he call Assyria, right? He say, bro, let's link. You know, I can mm -hmm. work this. I could do something for you and I need you to do something for me. And so now the king, Tiglat Pileser, he, he accept and he win the battle against Syria. And now um, this king, King Ahaz, he turned around and he feels so indebted to Assyria, Tiglath Pileser, that he's saying, bro, I going to sacrifice unto y'all God. So it kind of like the, the um the this the conversation we was having early on, part y'all getting beat all these years. You see, the Syrians just they just winning everything. Mm -hmm. They 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 evil, they wicked. The prophet crying because he see all the evil. I'm talking about Elisha at the time. Yeah. He's seeing all of the evil that. Hazael, king of Syria, would do. And this been happening, like, even before Hazael, Ben-Hadad, and then after Hazael, it was another Ben-Hadad. And, and it's just king after king, they are being successful against Israel and Judah, right? And so now Judah turning around and saying, bro, all these years we was worshiping God, you said something like 200, 200 plus years, they had good kings. This The last time they had a wicked king was during Ahab. You know, and we mm -hmm. ain't talking about Ahab for real since first kings you know what i'm saying a while <laughs> so it's been a while and so he turned him back and saying man if it look like a duck quack like a duck gotta be a duck bro if these guys successful and they saying they straight come from their god i trust in that god too you know what i'm saying like seeing this believing type of situation but it's crazy because y'all have so much evidence that y'all disposal this is judah this is not israel I think Israel got dealt a raw deal because their king, at the inception of their independence, their king decided, I am going to erase all things mm -hmm. God, all things Yahweh. You know, we doing our own thing over here, but not Judah. See, if we think, let's even think about Judah to, uh, to, in the time of Jesus. They use terms like descendants of David, house of David. Bro, it's pride in David, the King David. That's a proud thing. People like, bro, David was one of our greatest kings. Our temple 
Everything around us was everything around us happened during his reign. It was a big setup. It, they set us up nice. Him, Solomon, they get us at, at the point where we are now. So you can't forget this guy. And our forefathers, our quote unquote ancestors, worship Yahweh. They worship the Most High God. This is Judah. Y'all have to go through so much to say we throwing away the Most High God. And if you can't beat him, you join him. We joining the Assyrian God. We worshiping and we having big sacrifice to their God in like a thanks thank offering. And what's so funny, I don't know what um what a, the Assyrian God, like what is the process or like what's like what's the steps or how they like their offering. But if you read, if you read this offering, this is just like how you yeah. offer offer to God. This is just like mm -hmm. in Deuteronomy, they got they got the grain offering. You got the burnt offering. You understand what I'm saying? And it's and it's funny because uh, we drink offering, sprinkle the blood, all these things. You offering a sacrifice. You in the New Testament, we learn without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. Right? I believe that that was common knowledge to all those involved in offering sacrifices before, which is why it's it's very specific. We have to sacrifice this type of ox you know what i'm saying or this lamb without blemish or, or whatever because we know we know blood like you can't we know the blood had a specific purpose you know the grain offering these mm -hmm. type of things these was thanks like i offering thanks but then i also trying to atone for my sins you know what i'm saying this dude kind of similar to jeroboam jeroboam asking away i am taking the things that i learned from Yahweh and his instruction, and I given it, I given it to this other God. You know what I mean? Everything that everything I'm supposed to be doing, I given it to another God. And it just go to show how how much of a snare the nations had become. Because it's one thing to follow them because you think it, you know, y'all like it, y'all like it, you think it's cool. But this person really had faith in their God. So we can see throughout the Bible when Israel get into a bind, if they get into a bind, uh, like a hard enough bind, they repent and then they turn into God. We ain't been seeing that. You know what I mean? We ain't seen no. that with the northern nation. And this man, he just on talk another God. And it's so interesting, right? Because we see this is the southern kingdom of Judah, right? So like this ain't this ain't the northern kingdom. We see they they still have a priest. In the temple because this is still the actual temple that david built mm -hmm. well solomon built right you have a priest and the priest ain't giving any pushback to the king like you know what's right you know what you you know what should be done and you're just saying all right king whatever you say i'm going to do like ahaz went to damascus to the king and was so impressed by their was in their temple, their altar, that he sent back instructions for this thing to be made before he even got back. Mm. And Urashi didn't try to talk him out of it. Urashi didn't try to say, no, King, you don't know that like, you shouldn't be doing this. And like, to your point, the matter of fact that you offered all of the Israelite sacrifices on your own altar, it's like a blatant disrespect. It's like King and Abel all over again. You know what you're doing is wrong, but my way should be better than your way, God. So the way I want to do it is going is is what it's going to be, and you're just going to have to eat it. That's essentially what Ahaz is trying to tell God right now. Like, there's so many it's, it's so many blatant things he's doing, and, and we see like as we go on through what you're about to get to. But even the Mephi said, okay, I'm going to move the other altar and put it over here. And so this altar is going to be essentially the focal point of 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 the temple now. This brand new altar that's still that's built like the pagan gods' altars. So, like, nothing about this was godly. And we know we go way back from the access to the tabernacle. Like, God had a specific vision on what he wanted the temple, the tabernacle to represent. These things are supposed to be heavenly images to represent the connection between God and his people. You know, and now you're trying to, you're blatantly starting to spit in the face of that. And so we go to verse 17. We see, and King Ahaz cut off the panels of the cars and removed the lavish from them. And then took down the sea from the bronze auction that were under it. And he put 
and, and put it on a pavement of stones. And he also removed the Sabbath pavilion, which they had built to the temple. And he removed the king's other interest from the house of the Lord on account of the king of Syria. And then I just finish it. Now all the rest of the acts of Ahaz and which he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the king of Judah? So Ahaz rested with his fathers and was buried in the place of his, his fathers in the city of David. Then Hezekiah, his son, reigned in his place. But going back to like Ahaz, right? Now you see like with, with him doing all these things in the temple, we starting to see, this is almost reminiscent, reminiscent of what Abijah, that was his name, the first king of Israel, Rehoboam. Jeroboam. Oh, the king of first king of Israel? Yeah. yeah Jeroboam. Abijah yeah. was the second king of Judah, ironically. Anyway, Jeroboam, this is kind of reminiscent of what Jeroboam was starting to do when he became king of Israel. Like, I'm going to start removing some of these godly influences that you guys were used to, but I'm going to, like, keep the essence of it, but kind of remix it. Mm -hmm. And so now we see it, like, with Jeroboam's case, he essentially just built a brand new temple for them in, in, in Samaria. But now we see with Judah... I'm actually taking the temple, but now I'm starting to bring the pagan influences into the temple itself. Like this ain't a new temple. This is like the same holy temple, but now I'm bringing the pagan influences into the temple. Yeah, bro, that's just that's just bad on so many levels, bro. Like I would never. You know what? I can't say never, but imagine what would it would what it would take for you, bro. To see a temple, like a Buddhist temple or Muslim temple, and say, bro, I taking everything out of here and I replacing it with Jesus, bro. Like you, I feel like you have to be fully convicted that, bro, this is wrong. You know what I'm saying? To say, I I remodeling this whole thing and I swapping the guard out. I mean, even if like because that's a, like like conviction wrong like you were putting that aside like the sheer disrespect you have to have for everyone else who who holds that temple sacred yeah see when i say convicted i ain't talking from like a like a holy spirit tugging on your heart type of convicted i'm talking <laughs> about like you fully committed like i fully yeah. convinced like that that this is out of here bro like mm -hmm. no i can't see this it's like when jesus flip over the tables like mm -hmm. I think you ought to be that level of, of committed to the to the cause for you to say, bro. I thrown, I I just I taken I thrown the old one out and I um I got a new one in because it's like in the back of your mind you can still think, bro. If anything, this of history, you know what I mean. If any, it's like it's like you, you even if you go to certain ancient ancient cities, bro. The 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 people the people in this nation might be Christian now. But historically, they were not. They might have been a something different. So they still have the the ruins. You might still have all of these things, and it's, it's kind of like for like like just for display now, or or because it's a history, it's a monument now, you know. Mm -hmm. But but he was like, nah, bro. Like let's get the quote unquote superior God in his opinion, and let's put him in a in the right place. And and that showed me that he had high, he revered this God like pretty highly. And also, he he wanted to, you know, you know when you have a gas over and you want to kind of like, man, I could I could treat you right, but like I give you the the, the best sheets, I, I get the best food, I, I I just could make you stay here like really cozy, you know. I feel mm -hmm. like he's trying to be a good host for this God, and it's like, bro, I can't have you on the side somewhere, you going in the temple, bro, you know. And then lastly. Notice he went to Damascus, right? Excuse me. He gone to their city. Yep. He gone to the Syri to the Syrians. He see how it's done. And it's like, I can't come here half stepping. You know what I mean? I gotta replicate as best as I could and on short notice. So I put not God in, in the temple. I think that's I think that's so crazy, bro. Man, you know, we serve a jealous God, right? I was watching a show one time and and the dude, he proposed to his second wife with the mm -hmm. same ring from his first wife. Mercy. You know and that didn't go well. No, I don't think it should. <laughs> I don't I don't think so neither. You know, if you disagree, that's your business. It ain't, this ain't a real scenario for me, so I ain't that invested. But just imagine, bro. 
you giving God, or you're not even you giving God like seconds, like you taking him out of his rightful place mm-hmm. and you putting someone else there. You know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. In his temple that he gave the instructions for how to build. Wow. Just saying right. Exactly. That's just that's just wild. And I mean, I guess we should be slamming the plane, but like that's just starting to show you just the state of the two kingdoms now. Like mm-hmm. spoiler alert, we go, we going, we kind of really give it away, but we kind of know how Israel's heading, but we kind of see how ironically. Kingdom of Judah, which should be the better one, isn't that far behind. That's true. You know what I'm saying? And these are still the direct male line descendants of David. You know, like in Israel, kings got assassin- assassinated, got some new people like usurped the throne. But in, in Judah, these are direct family members. Yep. Son begot son who sat on the throne on his direct male hereditary, her- hereditary line. These people still have priests who still suppose worship the one true God. They still have prophets who are still prophesying to them. But it still shows like the effects of sin because you could have all these good influences around you, but you still, you still can, it still cannot be enough to convict your own heart. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I shouldn't say it shouldn't be enough, but your heart can already be so hard, hard into it that you you ignore all of these callings that. That just around you. Go first. You want to, you want to chime I think in. I, I, I'm about to speculate, bro. And this is a great deal of speculation. Mm-hmm. But you see his son, mm-hmm. you know, the, the text and saying Hezekiah was his son. Hezekiah was a righteous king. And yep. so that show me that people know he was bugging, bro. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Like his his philosophy, his way of life wasn't like a a step in, in, in the right direction for a lot of people, especially his son. I ain't gonna say a lot of people. For his son, his son didn't look at it and say, bro, I wanna be like daddy. Daddy had it right. His son look at look at that, look at him and say, Daddy was bugging. I am not going to be like him. When it comes to who I serve, I serve in the most high God, you know? And this the man who probably raised you. I don't know. I don't based on what I see on TV, kings don't really be that hands-on and raising their children for real, but you know, <laughs> but it's like you can see that this mom was on his own. He was on his own time, bro. Like, I mean, obviously, everybody got to come to God for themselves just because your great, great, great granddaddy, whoever used to worship God, that don't mean that you're going to do that. You, everybody have their own autonomy, own free will. But, but I mean, like, finish your point. No, I, I don't. Yeah. Because I want to say, like, let's, like, let's even think about it, right? Even for like continuing the speculation, right? A harsh rule for 16 years. I just want to show, like, the detriment on even. Yeah, he might have been bugging and not being the, the main thought of the day. Mm-hmm. But for 16 years, at minimum, there was no real noticeable difference between Israel and Judah. Mm-hmm. Right? Hezekiah might have become an index and reigning for like 29 years, whatever. Whenever we get to meet, we're going to unpack that, right? But for 16 years, this like the influences of God were diminished. So the amount of people you probably just led to apostasy in your 16 years is, mm-hmm. is going to be hard for Hezekiah even to come back and save those souls. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like you already inflicted so much damage and now you're permanently changing the temple. So you people who think, well, you're 16 years, people who growing up like new kids, this is the only thing they know. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? The king offering sacrifices when he shouldn't be doing this pagan looking altar, but you can't even know it's pagan. This is the only thing you know. You can't remember how the temple of David looked, how the temple... David, keep on saying David, Temple of Solomon, look, how the temple, how the temple looked all these other years, even before I was Ramsar. These are the only influences you know culturally at this point now. It's essentially a culture. So it it's it might be a blink of an eye, but like the effects are so widespread at this point. Cause now it, some go for it. No, no, go on. Finish your point. No, I was saying because like now someone has to come in and it's like, all right, we have to literally redo everything again. And y'all have been accustomed to worshiping these foreign pagan gods for the last decade and a half. I can come in and do a revival, but some of this stuff's so entrenched in y'all at this point. Hmm. Yeah, that is true because, like, even during after the after the split of northern and southern kingdom, Rehoboam was not a good king. Mm-hmm. You know, he wasn't described as a good king, but they keep bouncing back. 
right? Where we are with Ahaz, you remember you were saying it was it was it was over two hundred years since they had a bad king. Mm-hmm. They don't got another two hundred year run of good kings after them. You see no. what I'm saying? Like so, it ain't really too loud. Yeah, I I I can't. Let me see. Anyway, I know I know Hezekiah. I can't remember a good one after him. There's probably it's one, one, and I it's, it's one more J. One more J. Yeah, one of the J. <laughs> one more, I think it's one more J left. Yeah, and so. Um, they don't have, like I said, they don't, they, so they don't have that much, that many, um, good years after this or good reigns after this. And so, you know, to your point, he might've, he might've really break through culturally, you know, to kind of like tilt the scale for, for Judah to, you know, be more apostate than righteous. It's crazy though. I, I just thinking about. If you, okay, if you, if we have a temple uh-huh. and we know every day they have sacrifices, they have the morning sacrifices, you know what I'm saying? Like we, we have, you know, stuff on the Sabbath when the 16 years now, right? You have um feast days, you have various festivals throughout the year and the the Levitical clan cannot occupy the temple and do they sacrifice you know how much of a strain on the spirituality of an of that nation it could have been bro because there's no repenting there's no remission of sins. I mean, they could you could always just offer a sacrifice on an altar and stuff like that. You know, you could you could always do that. Mm-hmm. But now you really interrupted the entire flow of worship and repentance and atonement that people had for everyday stuff. So now somebody of leprosy, they can't go to the temple after they clean and say, Hey, this might this might offering for this. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, so I think yep. I think what he did was very sinister because like you you not only are you you kind of um supplanting the most high god with mm-hmm. this Assyrian god, but you also disrupting the the flow and the everyday spiritual practices that these people have been accustomed to. And I, I think it's I think it's even more a blessing to, to see that Hezekiah, when we get to him, he did not follow in these footsteps. So you had to overcome what your father left. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But yeah, no, I think I think Ahaz is a short chapter, but I don't know, man. That was I think that was very wicked. The things he did in it during his reign, and for the sake of war, it's crazy. Agreed. For the sake of war, child sacrifices, right? Alliances with the enemy, and also worshiping their gods. You know what I mean? Worshiping and sacrificing to their gods in think, in the temple. I think it's even a little bit more interesting than that, right? Because when you look at the different other biblical narratives, when you had a chance when God came to you via the prophet, mm-hmm. and so now you blatantly chose physical alliances over the spiritual alliances. And I think that's what's even more interesting about, about uh, Ahaz. Like, you had the option. You know what I'm saying? You, you essentially double down and say, "Yeah, I ain't gonna. I ain't really want to do what God wants to do." And you and you found yourself even slipping deeper into a web of apostasy at this point, mm-hmm. because if you had just, or I guess, relied on God, you would have never had a chance. You would never had a need to reach out to Tiglath Pileser. You know what I'm saying? You've never had a reason then to go to Damascus. You never had a reason to actually see their altar in Damascus to send back. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's funny how like one small decision kind of catapulted and cascaded down a river of sin. And now you see how you essentially leading a whole nation to turn up to turn its back on God from just from you, from your from your one simple action. That's crazy how we do it, we do it today too. I mean, like, I'm giving Ahaz a hard time, but I'm sitting here thinking. Yo, how much times have I kind of rejected what God was offering me? And then you find yourself further up down a stream of lies and deception and trying to hide stuff or 
trying to right your wrongs in a backhanded way. And you're like, huh, if I had just been done the right thing from the start, I would be in a way better position right now, a way better position. So, yeah, man, it's just interesting how when you start going through these stories that we just see how they start to relate to us in a deeper level that we never even expected to see. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to be your sympathizer with a, with, a, with a Haas, but in a weird way, kind of do. Kind of do. Your stubbornness can lead you down a, a path that you know you shouldn't have been on to, to begin with. But here you find yourself. And you have no one to blame but yourself. But yourself. King Ahaz did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. Not only did he abandon the God of his fathers, but he also offered sacrifices and built an altar in the temple for Assyrian gods. For years this was the case in Israel, but not so much for Judah. And now it is the point of no return. Now Israel will be attacked by their enemies, but they will not be delivered. But we'll talk more about that on the next episode of A Breath of Fresh Air. Tonight's episode included voice acting by your hosts, Earl Roberts and Nikaz Gay. Remember to go ahead and research on your own in order to get a more firm understanding of tonight's episode. And if you enjoyed it, make sure to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. You can follow us on social media at a breath of fresh air pod on instagram and b-o-f-a-p-o-d on twitter thanks everyone and we'll see you next week